Well, welcome to this fireside chat for FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Summit. Uh, we are joined here by Rich Mason and Amy Brogland peterson two of my esteemed colleagues and friends. And uh, we'll be work working through a few different topics, in particular around supply chain security. If uh, 2020 and 2021 following have taught us anything, it's that the words supply chain have become front and center across the world. And supply chain security is something that's often overlooked. There's many facets to it. Um, but we'll be delving into some of those topics together. But first, I'll throw to you, Rich, just for a brief intro. Who are you? Uh, what's your background? And what's your particular interest about supply chains? Hey, Jonathan. Uh, my name is Rich Mason. Good to meet everybody virtually. Uh, I'm uh, currently the president and CEO of Critical Infrastructure, a boutique security consulting firm. Uh, but my pedigree is back from Honeywell, where I served as their chief information security officer and chief security officer. Uh, and prior to that, uh, security at Bell Labs. So committed my life to security, uh, but have a passion around technology and innovation, and particularly of late around maritime technology and innovation. Amy? And Amy? Hi, thank you for uh, having me, everyone. So my name is Amy Brogland peterson I uh, currently am an adjunct faculty member at Michigan State University, where I teach in the supply chain management department. Uh, logistics and transportation, supply chain application and policy, both at the undergraduate and the master's level. Um, I started my career actually in automotive industry, working in purchasing, program management, risk management, uh, logistics and transportation on both the OEM and the supplier sides, uh, and then swiveled and actually moved into global business development within the freight forwarding and logistics industry. Um, so was privileged to travel, learn a lot uh, about many different things, including maritime as, as well. Um, so great interest there and really looking forward to the chat with everyone today. Great. Thanks, Amy. And I'm Jonathan Kempe. I'm the CEO and founder of Verify. We're a technology startup that's based in Sydney, Australia. G'day to our international guests. And we have a focus of particular interest on supply chain security, visibility and transparency. Uh, using novel technologies, everything from IoT and biometrics to exploring the LEO layer of space, just to make sure that things that move from A to B are more secure and more visible and more transparent. Uh, so kicking it off, we'll, we'll dive straight in. Um, there's been a lot of chatter over the last 12 months, 18 months, around nearshoring, onshoring and offshoring. And those concepts have really come to the fore as people have tried to work out how their supply chains can fit together better and how they can monitor their supply chains to ensure that they're more secure. Um, but Rich, I'll just throw to you, there's been a bit of an emerging movement, which is called shoreshoring. Um, I'd love to throw it to you just to explain a little bit more about what the concepts are behind the shoreshoring movement. Yeah, shoreshoring uh, started out as a pun. So, uh, we'll go there, to be sure, to be sure. Uh, but quickly turned into something a, a lot more serious. Uh, so, you know, when we think of, uh, of, of the traditional models of nearshoring, offshoring, onshoring, uh, in the COVID era, there was a big push for reshoring, which was sort of a, a xenophobic response to, uh, to a lot of the, those disruptions and, uh, and some angst against China, you know, the anywhere but China movement. Uh, so when we see the COVID disruption, when we see what happened in in Beirut with the uh, with that disaster at the port, a uh, a weapon of mass disruption, uh, we've seen in 2020 some environmental disasters, both both on the humanitarian side with seafarers, with the uh, with the environmental side of, of oil spills. Um, there's just so much going on that we thought there needed to be a different model, and so so the concept of shoreshoring 
is about what do we do differently instead of just looking at the dimensions of um, geography and of cost that have driven most of our uh, our manufacturing and supply chain decisions. What's this extra dimension? And, and we're looking at, at data trustworthiness at the core, which is why I have uh, an interest in in, in Verify is, is their ability to bring trustworthiness both of data and of identities to to the forefront through through IoT. So trustworthiness, uh, Six Sigma trust in data becomes one of those key tenets. Granular data, not just of vessels, but of uh, of the of the contents of the goods, of the identities of people touching them, of the environment around them. So trustworthiness, which blends into digital transformation, giving us the agility uh, to automate, to orchestrate, to pivot, uh, like we could have done with PPE, to pivot from uh, from maritime to air, to pivot from um, from a supply chain just in time model to a stockpile just in case model. Uh, so that whole digital transformation movement that, in my opinion, has not quite hit in maritime just yet, but I think it's ripe for, for the picking. And then this third dimension of whole system sustainability, right? When we talk, and Amy and I have talked in the past at Michigan State advocating the PESTLE model for, uh, for uh, sustainability, not just of the environment, but of the whole system. Um, cyber becomes a, a key component of business resilience and business sustainability. And increasingly, humans... Uh, as we've seen with uh, seafarers and the Neptune uh, Declaration, uh, we need to do a better job of, of of looking at our people as a key ingredient for business sustainability. Excellent. Well, thanks for that synopsis. And you, you just mentioned in there PESTLE, uh, which is a, a great acronym. And uh, I know, Amy, you've been pioneering uh, the work of, of speaking about this, both with industry and academic uh, folk alike. Do you want to just elaborate a bit more on that acronym? Sure. So PESTLE is an acronym I use in my course materials. Uh, you know, supply chain students, many of them emerge from our programs and work immediately in purchasing and procurement departments. Um, increasingly, those people, even at young ages, are being called upon to develop more of a sustainability program to evaluate risk. Um, and frankly, Many of them are ill-equipped to do so without looking at how do we go about even evaluating risk. Um, it starts with, first and foremost, before you can even really evaluate PESTLE, and I'll get into what that acronym means, you really need to understand your supply chain at a granular level as well. So I, I appreciate Rich's use of that word. Um, many companies do not have a very expansive breakdown of where their suppliers sit in the world. Um, they really have very little knowledge beyond the tier one and tier two level as to where material is actually coming from, moving to, where it's stored, um, all of those types of things. And so first and foremost, people need to understand, companies need to understand their supply chains. Once they have an understanding of where those suppliers exist, then they can use the PESTEL model. Um, and the PESTEL model, the acronyms stand for Political, Economic, Socially Responsible, technological, environmental, and legal. Um, so amongst all those different dimensions, students can take a look at each of those areas once they kind of know where their major supply chain and, and routes and transportation lakes are and evaluate, do I have a political angle here that needs to be considered? Do I have other types of risk? Um, cyber and security is a huge issue within you know, that dimension of technology. 
Um, but there's many, many other areas. And even so far as, you know, the seafarer crisis um, is another area where, you know, it's, it's an ethical issue. Um, but it also represents inherent risk within your supply chain. And most companies, I would bet if I could, uh, have no idea which ocean carriers are moving their, their material at any time. They probably are not, even if they're familiar with the seafarer crisis, they're not familiar with their involvement in, um, you know, within the supply chain and how they can contribute to uh, improving that situation. But more importantly, what kind of risk it introduces within their supply chain as well. Um, so that's, you know, where the PESTLE model comes in and is very useful to, to help identify different categories of risk. Excellent. And there's a few topics that we've touched on there. And Rich, I know you mentioned biometrics and particular interest to verify is just to try and assure more about how the supply chain is constructed, in particular in a people-centric way. So that's, that's one of the areas that we're trying to improve that. But you also touched on data trustworthiness. And I know when that concept is thrown around and data is or data, depending on where you come from, is uh, is often um, used in, in many different contexts and, and the descriptions are quite broad. Um, and solutions can be narrow, but they can also be a little bit opaque in terms of what they solve for. And um, when you look at data trustworthiness, it's not just about aggregation, is it? Is that, is, you can acquire as much data as you, as you like, but if it's not stored correctly, if it's not transmitted correctly, and then subsequently, if it's not shared with others, um, correctly, you can run into further problems. And I know particularly around VGM, we've had some discussions around that. Do you want to expand more about the role of data and data trustworthiness? Sure. I mean, my, my background is primarily in cybersecurity, and that's been an uphill battle for, for many years uh, as, as security has gotten increasingly complex and, uh, and challenging as, uh, as some of the ransomware uh, cases in the maritime industry will, will highlight. Uh, but I think there's an opportunity here to look at data trustworthiness, not just as a compliance requirement, not just as the traditional tenets of security, of confidentiality, integrity, availability, but as a real um, business enabler, as a real competitive advantage. Um, when I think of, of my background in manufacturing, which promotes uh, Six Sigma type thinking, you know, I want I want Six Sigma level data. If I'm going to be making business decisions and I've got business insights, we really need to start asking the question, well, how sure am I about that forecast? How sure am I about the data that informing those insights? And I don't think there's enough discussion about, about that. So if we can have a focus on, uh, on, the, on the devices that are capturing data at, at, at the point of origination uh, and making sure those are the most trustworthy devices and that they're transmitted in the most trustworthy manner, and people uh, that are uh, accessing them are doing so within a with with a trusted within a trusted way. I think that will lead to better outcomes. Now that's a very different conversation with business executives, uh, bridging now from security as a compliance activity, the low bar of what I need to do, to a much higher bar of resilience, sustainability, and true competitive advantage. Yeah, and they're really critical themes. It's critical to link that initial origin data into things which are downstream outcomes. Because if we forget where the data comes from or we forget where it's going, forget how it's stored, you actually end up making decisions that have been polluted. Um, so we talk about the concept of a data lake versus a data reservoir. And those sorts of things explain or attempt to explain that we should have an understanding of what our data is doing inside our businesses to produce transformational outcomes. And, and, and touching on something which I think is, is, ver is very um, pressing now 
It's a pressing concern, but it has been overlooked in terms of ultimate supply chain security. It involves um, the actual people who are in, uh, on the ships or, or connected to the ports or docks who are moving the cargo around. And, and Amy, you just mentioned before the seafarer crisis. I know this is sort of front and centre for a number of people, but for others, it's completely an unknown quantity, in particular around what shoreshoring or a secure supply chain might look like. Do you want to just elaborate a bit more about what's happening with seafarers and potentially what, what some areas we can do to, to improve that process? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, so first of all, it's understanding uh, where, where your suppliers lie. And that means understanding, you know, down to the level of what carriers is my freight actually moving on. Um, you know, I think shippers amongst, you know, many other parties have a responsibility to take a look at this, similar to the types of activities that um, we know we frown upon within a supply chain like child labor or trafficked labor, um, other, you know, aberrant occurrences, you know, one fire exit in a crowded factory with thousands of people. This is this is no different, a crisis. Um, it's not something that would be acceptable under normal terms. I think, uh, you know, not to cover for many companies, but looking at my past companies I've worked with and within, it's um, something that probably is very opaque. So you, you hear about the, the crisis, you see it on the news, but you don't really understand or realize, or perhaps within your company, it's a very fragmented approach in that you have a purchasing group buying services with ocean freight, ocean carriers, or 3PLs or forwarders um, who maybe aren't as in tune with those types of actual issues um, and therefore are not really looking for them when they source, not really looking for them when they, when they purchase services. However, you know, first and foremost, if this is going to change, we need the big shippers of the world to really be focusing on, on what's happening and doing something about it and insisting that changes occur in order for their business and their freight to be moving with certain carriers, certain 3PLs, et cetera. So I think that's first and foremost. Um, and I think you know there, there are other things we can be doing. I know um, the Neptune Declaration is something that uh, Rich may touch on and, and we've talked about as, as a vehicle to you know, bring people together to try to address the seafarer crisis. Um, but, you know, it, it, it involves many, many other parties, uh, which are outlined within that declaration um, from from airliners, you know, having routes available for seafarers to actually get home from port to port once they dock. Um, so there's many, many things that need to kind of come together to address this issue. But ultimately, it starts with knowledge of your supply chain and using your leverage as a shipping company with large volumes of freight moving on oceans to do something about this and to actively address it. Um, that's what I believe. Excellent. Thank you. And Verify is, is signing the Neptune Declaration amongst others. It's interesting to note that there aren't many shippers that have been included in the declaration as yet, but we kind of hope that there'll be a bit more momentum um, that's brought on board. Um, but, but let's finish with some key takeaways here. We've covered uh, quite a broad array of topics and people who might be listening in concerned about how to secure their supply chain better. We've, we've looked holistically at a few different things and, and drilled down in, into some specifics, but let, let's uh, finish with some takeaways. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Rich. If you're thinking about, say, the C-suite decision makers, the, the CFOs in the organization, or even government agencies that oversee these 
the, the specific roles in the supply chain. If they're thinking about those um, topics that we've mentioned in Shoreshoring, um, which is not just about geography, it's not just about cost, what are some key takeaways that you would give to those folk about how they could secure their supply chain? Yeah, the, the key takeaway for me would be to start to measure the trustworthiness of, of your data. That, that will be, be first and foremost. Uh, and, and you can take any sample of data and roll that marble, verified gross mass, um, you know, what does something weigh? Yeah, we've had some discussions around whether that's a whether there's a chain of responsibility truly exists for BGM. Uh, are, are, is there a chain where people are inspecting that throughout the life cycle, or does everybody point at that guy and say, "Well, he said it weighed that, and we just trusted him"? Uh, I think it's a shared responsibility. I think the technology exists for 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 measuring things without slowing down production, for matching them up with containers through uh, through better. Uh, QR coding, for example, uh, there are sensors that are scaleless that we've seen that that can solve for this. Uh, I think the technology exists. Does the will exist? And and as part of changing that behavior in the C-suite, uh, I think there's better business outcomes if you start to look at um, the trustworthiness of your data and demand better sensing and sharing of the responsibility of getting that sensor data in a trustworthy way. Excellent. And, and throwing to you, Amy, industry, obviously a major participant in how supply chains are constructed and how they're put together. Um, what's something that you would say is the key takeaway for industry? Well, I, I agree with Rich. Um, you know, the, the data is there, the technology is there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of making assumptions as a logistics manager myself. Uh, it's very, very easy to take something like VGM and, um, estimate, even though you're not supposed to. Uh, but it's critical that you're not doing things like that. Again, this is a risk. It's a risk for you. More importantly, it's a risk for the seafarers and the shipping lines who are traveling the world on oceans with boxes falling overboard. Um, it's, it's just, it's a big problem. It needs to be addressed. Um, so to me, you know, starting with that data, that master data within your supply chain, um, you know, you'd be shocked how many companies actually do not have reliable data points related to weight, related to dimensions. Um, therefore, if they're using the calculation method to provide VGM, they're not, it is an estimate, it's not reality. So I think the technology is there. We're already touching these goods as we're moving them and packaging and consolidating them. Surely we can be collecting and, and consolidating data to um, provide, you know, much better, more reliable measures of actual mass and therefore um, improve the safety for everyone involved in the supply chain uh, from the ground up. So I, I think that uh, is a great start. Just to add to that, John, if I could, the, um, you know, planting that, that idea of you know, everyone is familiar with the Titanic disaster, and we all know we should steer clear of icebergs. That's just common sense. But on any given year, there's 1,400 float, uh, icebergs, metal icebergs, floating just below the surface in all of our major sh uh, shipping lanes. How do we make sure that we are doing our best? If we're going to start packing bigger vessels with more and more containers uh, because of all this increased demand and, and demand for efficiency, how do we raise the bar as well to make sure we're doing that in a much safer manner and we're limiting those number of metal icebergs floating just below the surface? Yeah, it's a really good thought. And, and my final thought about technology is the accruing of that information. I saw an iceberg 
is now being changed in a paradigmatic way, I'd like to say, a paradigm shift is occurring, um, where now people are saying, well, you need to advise us that there's an iceberg as well. And so data sharing between different entities is starting to come to the fore. Uh, and we've seen that from a technology point of view. It's, it's definitely possible and the appetite is there and the necessity is there as well. Well, thank you so much to both of you. It's been just such a privilege and pleasure. Um, we'll see what happens with the shoreshoring movement. Uh, we know it will take off uh, because it asks some pretty crit critical questions about supply chain security. We thank Freight Waves for the opportunity and we hope people have found this enjoyable. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you guys.